Well, you can call them small groups. You can call them connect groups. You can call them community groups. You can call them Sunday school. We happen to call them life groups here at Northside. And I want you this morning to understand that every single one of us need to be a part of a life group. If you're going to grow in Christ, listen to me, if you're going to be everything that God wants you to be, you need to be a part of a small group of believers who are reading and studying the Word of God, who are fellowshipping, who are loving one another. And if you are not, you are missing out. I want understand, you are missing out on one of the greatest blessings that you could have in your life. This morning, I want you, if you're not a part of a life group, to commit to make that decision that I am going to join a life group. I'm going to be a part of a small group of believers. Look, I'm not making any bones about what I'm doing here this morning. I want you to be a part of a life group. And I'm not doing that just because I think that would be nice for the church if you did that. What I'm saying is it is good for the kingdom of God. It is good for you to be a part of a small group of believers that love and hold each other accountable, that help each other to grow, that encourage one another. And if you're a part of a life group, then I want you to be actively involved in the purpose of that group. You know, today in our civilization, life groups are really, are really a solution, an answer to one of our greatest needs. Today, we live in one of the loneliest societies that ever existed. I mean, we have people all around. We have Facebook friends out the wazoo, and yet we're still lonely. In fact, Mother Teresa said this about Western civilization, about America. She said, the greatest disease in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. With over 300 million people in this country alone, so many are still lonely. In fact, a study was done... 1,500 face-to-face interviews where one in four said they had no one, no one with whom they can talk about their personal troubles or triumphs. And if you took family members out of the equation, they said that over, over half have no one that they can share with. Sadly, the researchers noted increases in social isolation and a very significant decrease in social connection to close friends and family. We are lonely. This is a lonely generation. And a lonely generation without purpose. What do you live for? What gets you up out of the bed in the morning? I mean, wouldn't you agree with me? There has to be something more than getting up and going to work, coming home, eating supper, mowing the grass and going to bed, there's got to be something more. I remember how much I struggled with that when 
when I, some of y'all don't know this, but I used to be the director of operations for Burger King. And can I say something that making a bigger, better burger is not a great purpose in life? It's just not. I would go into work and I'm thinking, I am increasing people's cholesterol levels. You know, people are dying early because of me. And, and I get up and go to work. There had to be something more. It's the same thing for you. There has to be something more to this life than just mere existence. Today we're going to look at a man in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is really a, a look at the world from a natural man's perspective. And I want us to take a close look at this, at this guy and, and see how he doesn't match up with, with our society. Maybe, in fact, with many of you here this morning. Ecclesiastes 4.8. It says, there is a person without a companion, without even a son or a brother. And though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. So who? Who am I struggling for, he asks, and depriving myself from good? This too is futile and a miserable task. You ever felt like that? I mean, quite honestly, I can say with great confidence, we've all felt like that at one time or another. I like the way the message puts it. It says, um, I turned my head and saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to nothingness. A solitary person. Completely alone. No children, no family, no friends. Yet working, obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog? Never having any fun. And who cares? More smoke. A bad business. This is a lonely person. This is a person without purpose. Now, I don't mean to say that there weren't people around him. I'm sure he worked with others. I'm sure he went to the market and there were people all around. But in the midst of the crowds, in the midst of the crowds, this man was lonely. No one to share his struggles with. No one who seemingly really cared. It's that type of environment that really devastates our lives. It's that type of, of existence that leads us to futility and despair. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know, Jesus made it so that we wouldn't have to live like that. The church... Ecclesia, the called out ones. We are called out from this world to be together, to worship together. That was his plan. But this man had four devastating handicaps that he had to live with. Now, notice when I use the word handicap, I use it because it means that you're not doing well. In golf, some of you will relate to this very well. The larger the handicap, the lousier a golfer you are. 
when I play, I, I have to get the handicap that, that you get for throwing the ball as far as you can throw it. Because swinging and missing is what I normally do. But a handicap is what this man, four handicaps that he was dealing with. The first one is he had no relationships. Notice it says in there, there's a person without a companion. You know, today, we don't really know our neighbors. We don't really know our coworkers. We don't have real friends. And when you look at what has happened in our society, it's become harder to have friends, hasn't it? Do you know that for people around ages 20 to 40, they move right now on average about every three years? I just wonder, just, a, just an experiment here. I don't know how this will turn out. But how many of you, raise your hand, if you were born and raised here in Columbia, South Carolina, Lexington, South Carolina? It looks about a third. It looks about, so that two-thirds. I wasn't born and raised here. Burger King moved me here. And you know, when I did that, I left my family, I left my friends, I left everybody I grew up with, and I came here and knew no one. And that's happening all the time. That's one of the reasons for our, our loneliness is that we're moving all the time. Uh, another thing, I, I will tell you this, for, this is a history lesson for you. One of the things that has caused us not to get to know our neighbors, now I don't know how important this is, but it's true, is air conditioning. Okay, I grew up without air conditioning. And you know when the hot summer's what you did? You went outside. <laughs> Today we avoid it like the plague. We stay inside. But not only is that one thing, it keeps us inside. You know, when we had to go outside, I, I had to play with my friends. I mean, they were all outside. My parents had to meet the neighbors. We were almost forced to talk to one another. But we made friends. But now with technology, you know what? You never have to leave the house, do you? You never, I know some people who work at home. If they did not have to buy groceries, they would never have to leave. And kids can play on those video games for hours and hours and hours. You can get on the computer. Man, you can stay on that computer all day long and never meet anybody. We have what some people have called cocooned ourselves into our homes and become very lonely people. No, he really had no relationships. He had no helping hand. It says there's no end to his struggles. You know, I know this. Right here in this group, some of you are going through struggles that no one knows about. It seems like there's no end to it. There's really no one that you can share with. He had no helping hand. You know, we all need a helping hand at times. This man had no helping hand. And if you look further down in that passage in Ecclesiastes, look what it says. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. You see, they're helping one another. We need that. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down, together they keep warm. How can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. I want you to 
to grasp this, that no man is an island. We need each other. Don't think that you don't. You can't handle it on your own. You need Jesus Christ. You need friends. We all need a helping hand at times. Also, the other handicapped this guy is he had no answers. Notice he says, who am I struggling for? Have you ever asked it? Why am I going through all this? Have you ever asked that question? Why do I go through this routine day after day after day with seemingly no end? With seemingly no purpose. He's just struggling, 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 going through all of this. And he asks the deep questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is going on in my life? And he hears nothing but the echo of his own questions. He needs answers. He needs answers to the most important questions in life. Those questions that all of us ask at one time or another. Maybe before we go to sleep at night, but when we put our head on the pillow and all eternity just kind of comes down upon our hearts and we ask those questions and we need answers for him. He needed answers. But he had none. And then he had no purpose. Look at where it says this too is futile and a miserable task. You know, the phrase that's used often in Ecclesiastes is vanity of vanities. It, it, it means emptiness. Oh, the emptiness of emptinesses. It is so empty. Life without Friends, life without Christ, it is empty, it is futile, it is miserable. And we need a purpose. It can't simply be mere existence, going from one day to the next. And we have so many things that distract us from these difficult questions and from our purpose. I mean, you can turn on the TV and be distracted all night long. And that's what a lot of people do. They live life of constant distraction. Either working longer and longer hours like this man did or turning on the TV or doing other things just to try to distract them from the important questions that assail us day in and day out. The truth is we know we're lonely. I think... Honestly, Facebook, social media, all of those are recognition that we are lonely. They're so popular because they're almost a substitute for real companions. I mean, honestly, how many of you post something on Facebook and you're secretly hoping for a great number of likes? Huh? Oh, you know you are. You know, you put it on there, you're like, you're looking there. And then who liked it? And you're looking down there. And do you realize how easy it is to do like? I mean, literally, click. That is not a real investment in a relationship with you, okay? But it has become a substitute for real friendships. Back in the day, there was a series that was overwhelmingly popular. This will tell a little bit about my age, but if you remember it, it tells about your age. It was called Cheers. You remember that? A bunch of friends who met regularly in a bar. And uh, I think it was appealing to us because the people knew each other. I mean, one guy, I think his name was Norm, he'd walk into the bar and everyone would say, Hey, Norm, I want to read to you the, the, the song that started that series. It says, Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries 
sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. That was a description of a bar in Boston. But I think it's a better description of our life groups. So what's the solution? What's the solution to this man's issue? To our issue of loneliness and purpose? How about do life together? Do life together. Don't do it alone. Actively participate. Be a part of a life group. Did you know life groups were in the Bible? Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that. They are certainly a part of the Bible. Now, it doesn't call them life groups. Okay, I give you that. But that's our name for them. But life groups are in the Bible. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 2, you'll see that. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, now get this, they were continually. Now, i got to give you a little bit of context here. Peter had just preached. 3,000 had come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What do you do with all those folks? I mean, could you imagine 3,000 coming into here? We would have an issue, wouldn't we? Well, they did too. And what did they do? Well, one of the first things they did is got people into small groups. And now let's read. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now get this, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, that's the large group, and breaking bread from house to house, that's the life group. Houses were really pretty small back then. Your house is, would have been like a palace. Okay, that you're living in right now. The houses were very small groups would meet in these homes. From house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Did you see that? Did you see the large group? Did you see the small group? Now, how do these actually meet those needs that we have for community? For relationships, for purpose. Well, the first thing we see there is that the life groups provided a community to develop relationships. Did you catch that they were, it says they were continually devoting themselves. Did you get that? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what else? To fellowship. To fellowship. They, they weren't just thinking about it. They weren't saying, man, when it's a good time, I'll go ahead and do it. When it's convenient for me. No, buddy, they were devoted to it. They didn't miss life group. They, would, they were so devoted. They were bringing food all the time. They were eating house to house, praising God. They were devoted. If they were devoted, I think that says something to you and me, does it not? Come on now. I'm not just making this up, am I? In the Word of God, pretty clear here, we need each other. I mean, the Bible says that we're to love one another, encourage one another, 
hold one another accountable. How do you do that in a big group like this? They couldn't do it in the temple. They had to get house to house, small group to small group, life group to life group. Man, I want to tell you something. If you're not part of a life group, you need to be. That is where you make good friends, develop relationships. That's where flesh meets flesh, man, and we work things out. Hey, it's not always easy. I'll give you that. I mean, hey, we're all human, right? You get a bunch of humans in one little group. I mean, occasionally you might have a problem or two, but it is the greatest blessing that you could ever have to be a part of a small group of people who both want to serve and honor our Lord Jesus Christ and want to live out their existence for him. That's what they were doing. The early church recognized this very important fact, and I hope everyone here recognizes it, is that they needed each other. They needed Christ for sure, but they needed each other. No man is an island. In America, independence is celebrated. But let me tell you something. You cannot be independent and be a Christian. Let me say that again because I want you You cannot be independent and be a Christian. Because one thing you are certainly dependent upon is Jesus Christ. You can't live this life without him. You can't go into eternity without him. You're dependent on him. And we are dependent upon one another. So you can take that pride that says, hey, I'm an independent man or I'm an independent woman and flush that right down the toilet because you need each other and you need to be a part of a life group. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about this. It says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Now, I want you to understand that just that story right there is amazing. Because the Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles. They wouldn't even go into their home. That's how separate they were. But now, by the power of the Spirit, they were meeting together. It says that we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body... It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. You are actually placed into the body just like he wants you to be. And he wants you to be a part of a life group. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Catch this. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We need each other. Do you catch that? Even the parts that don't seem that important. <laughs> he says are important. I, tell you, I can, as an illustration from my own personal life, I can tell you, uh, yeah, you've been water skiing before. Any of y'all been water skiing? Nobody. Good. So I, y'all will have to believe everything I say then. Okay, so in any case, water skiing, let me tell you, one of the worst ways to water ski is behind a pontoon boat. It is, it is awful. I mean, when, you, when the pontoon boat guns it, not too much happens. And so they're teaching me. I've never watched it. They're teaching me to water ski. And so I got the handles, got the skis on. He guns it. 
Now, I am putting everything I got into those skis to try. Because what you have to do, you know, you have to come up. See, you're laying in the water. You have to come up. Well, mm, and I'm with everything. I'm gritting, hold, trying to hold on. The next thing, all of a sudden, I, it's not like I hear. It's kind of like I feel a little pop right here. There's a little pop. Well, I let go. It scared me. What was that pop? But I'm floating in the water, so it doesn't really hurt at all because I'm just kind of floating there. i got a life jacket on and everything, and so it's no big deal. And I said, God, something, I'm not sure what happened. Let's try it again. Okay, that would go down to the top ten of my most stupidest decisions ever. Because I grabbed that rope, I put on, had those skis on, and he guns it. And as soon as he does that pressure, comes onto that leg, and many of you have never heard me scream like a girl. At that moment, I hit notes that I wasn't ever sure I was capable of. I mean, the pain literally just went all through my body. And let me tell you, I let go. Now, when I finally got back to shore and they lifted me up to the boat and I got back to shore, I couldn't walk right. I literally was limping like this, you know, trying to keep the pressure off of this hamstring that pulled my hamstring. You don't know anything about it. You don't even see a hamstring. Not even there. I mean, I'm sure that thing's like a little tiny thing. I don't even know what it looks like. But baby, when it pulls, it messes up your life. Now, I think we're doing a great job as a church. Let me tell you something. I think we're doing, I mean, we're reaching people. But let me, let me just tell you. I think as church, we're kind of like this. You say, why? You say that, Steve. Because I don't think we have every part of the body working together for God's purpose. Here's the thing. You have got to work together. You have got to be a part of a life group. What happens when that hamstring pulls? Well, this other leg has to pick up the slack, and it wears this other leg out. Here's the thing is that we have to be a part of a life group to develop relationships. Well, also life could provide an organization to receive or to give a helping hand. You notice it says, and all those who believed were together, they had all things in common. They began selling their property possessions. They were giving. They were helping. We all have struggles in this world. One of Jesus' promises that we don't like that much is he said, in this world, it's a promise, in this world, you will have tribulation. You'll have struggles. He told us that. Sometimes we need a helping hand. But instead of speaking about this in theory or in general, I want you to watch this video of Bill and Carrie Zweasley as they talk about how their life group helped them. Bill, this is Carrie. We're the Sweezleys. Uh, we've been coming to Northside for about four years now. So, uh, talk a little bit about um, a need that we had that was filled by our life group. Um, about four or five weeks ago, we had probably one of the most frightening days of our lives. I got a phone call from our nine-year-old child that mom had collapsed on the floor and was not responsive. And uh, they were home by themselves, just the kids and mom, and I was 45 minutes away at work. So we called the ambulance, get, get the ambulance there. They get her awake. She has no idea what's going on. We don't know what's going on. Rush to the hospital, um, just batteries of tests and 
and uh, stuff to try and find out what's going on. Well, in the meantime, almost immediately as soon as we got to the hospital, I had uh, texted a member of our life group that that has uh, become one of my really really good friends, and just asked him to pray for us that that we were in the hospital. We didn't know what was going on, and we were extremely frightened because uh, we just we weren't really getting a lot of information at the time, and, and and it just it was very frightening for us. Within probably within five or ten minutes, I began getting text messages from our life group from various people in our life group. I probably responded to. 40 or 50 text messages within the first hour. We had uh, folks showing up at the hospital within the first hour or so. Uh, people that are in our life group that work at the hospital made, took their time and made trips down just to pray with us and just to check on us. Um, really, the, the, I think the, the biggest thing was just, just the, the feeling that we had so many people on our side just praying for us, just the feeling of, of community, the feeling of uh, a family feeling that I don't know that I've ever really experienced with my own natural family so much. Um, you, you know, we were, she was in the hospital for four days, and uh, people were just there with our life. They were just there willing to, to do whatever we needed. I mean, they, they brought us food. They picked up our daughters and, and brought them to church when she was in the hospital, and I, I wasn't comfortable leaving her there. They, uh, they were just willing to go out of their way to do whatever whatever they, they could to help us to make it as easy on us as possible. Uh, you know, even when, when she got discharged from the hospital, they, they were there with meals for us. They, uh, they just, they were there, they were always there. Someone was checking on her multiple times a day, uh, praying for her, just, just always, you know, we always felt that someone was there for us. If we needed anything, we knew we could just call them. You know, we knew they were praying for us, which is, is, is to me is, is more important than the meals or anything else is just the fact that the people w w um, keep you on their on their heart and on their mind enough to pray for you enough to to take your needs before the father sometimes ahead of their own needs and, and that just means more than anything to me um, you know the feeling that, that that I got from that was just it was it was overwhelming and I'm not really an emotional guy but it was I mean it, 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 it kind of uh, it, it got to me. It brought a little tear to my eye just to think that people that people care so much, and, and we kind of lose sight of that a lot. It, it, you know, we get so wrapped up in ourselves, but just to see everybody just just come together and, and to um, just be there in, in our time, uh, you know, it, it was just amazing. And, and she's been out of the hospital for about a month now, and people still just calling and texting and and, and praying and just you know just kind of going out of their way to, to make sure that, that we're okay and that we don't need anything and there's nothing that they can do for us. It's just, it's been amazing. Um, it's really made us kind of check ourselves and, and just drive us to be better people, to, to, be able, to be able to serve other people more, to be able to, um, to uh, just be there, just be there for, for other people, just just to, anything we can do to further the kingdom, I think we're more willing. We're, we're actually um, just looking for, for opportunities to serve other people just through that. And it's been an amazing thing for, for, for us um, just, to, just to feel that sense of community, that love, and, and just the camaraderie and the friendship that, that we probably wouldn't find outside of, of, of that group. You know, had we just been coming to church, just coming to service, we probably wouldn't 
we wouldn't have experienced that. I don't, I don't think at all. It's just, it would be very difficult to get through, you know, a major situation like that without the relationships you build in the life groups, without the, the friendships and the bonds that you make. Um, so, I, you know, I just, I'm grateful that they were there because it would have been very difficult for us. Amen. That, that is what it's all about. Let me tell you, can you imagine what would have happened to them if maybe they just, all they did is come to church and then leave? Would they have that type of support? I know they wouldn't have. Thank God for their life group. Thank God for people that cared about them. Also, the other thing we see is that life groups provide a study group to find answers in the scriptures. Now, I love it when when secular people come up with answers that are already found in the scriptures. I talked about uh, purpose and and uh, a person, uh, this group did a study on purpose and found out that, one, people live longer with purpose, but also found out that they are happier when they, actually when they give, when they give of themselves rather than when they just receive. I felt like saying, you know, you could look right here. Jesus said almost 2,000 years ago, it is more blessed to, to give than to receive. I don't know how much money we spent on that study. But the fact is, the answers are found here. Why do I exist? Why am I here? What is my purpose? It is all right here. And then finally, life groups provide a team to work, to fight, to give, to accomplish God's purpose. You notice it says that they were continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread. And at the end it says, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day, people were getting saved. Why? Do you think it was just the apostles preaching that did that? No. I am telling you, every person in that small group was going out sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, we don't have time to go, not to go there now, but in Acts chapter 8, great persecution arose. What happened to the church? It was scattered all over the place. And you know what they did as they were scattered? They preached the good news of Jesus Christ. They had a purpose. In fact, the apostles were still in Jerusalem. They had to go down there and look and say, hey, is everything here right? And it was. I tell you what, we will will capture this community for Jesus Christ when every one of us, every one of us sitting in these chairs grabs on to God's purpose and takes it as our purpose. And we start living that purpose for Jesus Christ. What is that purpose? Well, he, he told us in his last words right before he ascended into heaven, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me. In other words, I am the Lord God. (laughs) I am the one that has all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. He's the boss. I'm not. (laughs) He's the boss. You're not. Therefore, because he is Lord and God, because he is the authority, you, me, together, we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all that I can. Not just teaching them. It's not enough to know the commandments, is it? We need to obey them. We need to actually do them. It's not enough to give a mental assent to the fact that, oh, yeah, that's right. We should share the gospel. You can say that in your head, but if you don't do that with your mouth, you are being disobedient. And hear this. You don't really believe it unless you're doing it. 
You know, people often say, well, Steve, I don't, I don't know. What if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? You know, uh, what would happen then? Look, for the lost person, hear me, it's as bad as it gets. It's as bad as it gets. There is no hell number two that has a sauna. They are destined for hell, and it's as bad as it can possibly get. Go tell them that Jesus died for their sins. Let them know that he rose again. He wants to give them forgiveness and eternal life. And we do that through our life groups. Life groups are our foundational strategy right here at Northside to accomplishing this great commission. Jesus gave a mission and he gave us a purpose for life. We should go out and share. In fact, our lives, we should go out and share. Our lives are out of sync until we are actually joined in this great mission. You only have, you only have one life. What a shame it would be to just live it for you. What a shame it would be to have no influence on someone's eternal destiny for your neighbors and your co-workers and all those around you just to die in their sins. What a shame that would be. There's a tremendous need to know the gospel. I remember sharing my testimony with a woman and I got to the middle of my testimony where I said, and I had a life-changing experience. She interrupted me. As soon as those words came out of my mouth, she goes, oh, that's what I need. That's what they all need. Everyone out there without Christ needs a life-changing experience. And let me tell you, it's not just a need. There is a blessing. There is a tremendous blessing when you share with someone. When someone's life is transformed before your eyes, it blesses you tremendously. I can remember sharing with the family one time, and I thought it was going nowhere. Mom, dad, teenage daughter. And I was sharing the gospel as best I knew how, and they were nodding their heads very politely. And I walked out of that house thinking I had accomplished nothing. One of the things I always like to tell people when I'm sharing the gospel is I'll tell them, you know, God will forgive you of your smallest sin. And it's the truth. He will. And he'll forgive you the sin that you're most ashamed of. Well, I left that house. I was headed to the car thinking nothing had been accomplished when all of a sudden I hear these little feet coming up behind me, running towards me. And there was that teenage girl. She looked at me and said, is it true? Will Jesus forgive you of any sin you've done? I said, honey, yes, he will. And right there at that car, she prayed to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. That's a moment I will never forget. I know she was blessed, but I was blessed. Just this week, just this week, a man in the hospital who I've been trying to share the gospel with, he was lost number of problems in his life that, that caused him to be in that hospital, but he was always unconscious. I went there several times. I don't even know how many hoping to share the gospel because he was going to die. He will die. The doctors have already said it. Unless Jesus does a miracle, he's going to meet his maker. Just this week, for the first time, I was able to see him with his eyes open. He still can't speak. But listen to me. I was able to share with him. I said, I said to him, if you hear me, if you pray this prayer, just blink your eyes. Because I've shared the gospel with him, and now it was time to pray if he wanted to. And I said, Heavenly Father, forgive me all my sins. He blinked his eyes. 
I believe Jesus died on the cross. He blinked his eyes all the way through that prayer to the point where he surrendered his life. He goes, I surrendered to Jesus Christ, and he blinked his eyes. And I believe with all my heart that man who has days, if that much left, I will see in heaven because of the mercy of our God. There's a great need, and there's a great blessing. There is a purpose for our lives that you can live. And God gives us the power to do this. It says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be witnesses. We have the greatest purpose in the world, and we have the greatest power in the world to do that. And here's what I believe. The Holy Spirit will not let you not witness. You are either a very convicted and miserable Christian, or you are sharing Jesus with others. So why don't we attend? Why don't we come to life groups? Why don't we actively participate in life groups? Well, I think there's just three Quick reasons, and then we'll close. First is fear. Some of you who have never been to a life group, you don't have any idea what goes on there, and it scares you to death, right? I mean, you have this uh, weird thought that there's going to be like a center chair when you walk in, surrounded by other chairs. <laughs> and they're going to go, oh, you're a visitor. This is for you. And then we spend the rest of the hour laying our hands on you and praying for you while you confess all your sins. I promise you that's not what happens. <laughs> They're not going to ask you to read from Zephaniah. They're not going to ask you to close in prayer. But they will love you. You look on there. Where are you on the fear to faith scale there? Mark that. Rocky talked about this, consumerism versus commitment last week. You know, again, going back to my Burger King days, it was kind of interesting. You remember a uh, McDonald's commercial yeah, that... Uh, Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. You remember that? Yeah. yeah that's a, a Big Mac, right? And that's how you're going to get it. Back when I was working at Burger King, you ordered a Big Mac. That's how it came. Like it or leave it. But Burger King, the group I worked for, changed, rocked the fast food world. You may remember this. I can't even say it. I got to sing it. Hold the pickles. Hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Let me tell you, rock the fast food world. All of a sudden, you could have it your way. And people have learned that and have come to church, life groups, thinking, I want to have it my way. Where are you on the consumerism versus commitment scale? And then comfort versus obedience. Ultimately, it comes down to whether you want to live a life to please Christ or please yourself. Joining a life group and actively getting involved will take many of you out of your comfort zone. There's no doubt about this. I believe, though, it'll be one of the greatest decisions you will ever make. But it won't necessarily be the easiest. Will you actively participate in a life group? If you're not a part of one, will you join one now? I want you to know. Right outside this door, you saw the table set up when you came in. There are people there. They are ready for you. If you're not a part of a life group, they will sign you up. You can be obedient to Jesus. See, we made it so simple for you. And I know you're very thankful. We made it so simple. You can go right out there to those tables, and they will sign you up for a life group. They will show you. Each one of you have got a card that shows the different life groups on them. They have ages. Those are suggestions. You can start there. You can go right over there to that table, and they will help you. And the, the fortunate thing for you here at 915... Uh, it's a double blessing. Not only you can sign up, but because we have life groups at 1045, you can attend. You get a double blessing, joining and actually attending. You can be obedient to the Lord right here this very morning.
Well, what I want to do is pray for you. I want to pray that God will truly convict you and lead you in the decision he wants you to make. Pray with me. Father, I ask for each person here, God, that they would be a part of a small group of believers who love you and who serve together and work together and fight together and give together to accomplish your purposes here on earth. Lord, I pray, defeat fear in their lives. Lord, defeat this desire for comfort and give them the strength, the perseverance, and the faith to do what you would have them to do. And God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.